Adna Rock presents a Mandalorian review. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're uh, here again a little bit later than first expected. I think we're going to go with a uh, bi-weekly schedule with these. So we had Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 to begin with last time around. And today we'll be discussing Chapter 3 and 4, The Sin and the Sanctuary, respectively. Yeah, I mean, we had quite a bit happen in these two episodes here since the last time we, we spoke. Uh, we've had uh, quite a turn in our main character and the direction that he's going to be going. So it's going to be fun to see uh, exactly how the show continues. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the first two chapters were all about how he gains his quarry. Um, and then chapters three and four are all about, you know, what he does with this baby yoda isn't it funny how like baby yoda is just in the zeitgeist now where you know a couple weeks ago we didn't even know what that was <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any other yoda besides the yoda and yeah now we have a baby yoda which i think is almost more popular than the yoda now yeah now you can't escape the memes they're everywhere oh yeah i think we showed that firsthand <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it, that that one post i put out there is still growing <laughs> we're we're guilty of it for sure absolutely uh, but yeah, let's, let's just kind of jump into it. So, I mean, episode three was called The Sin. And uh, it basically picks up right after episode two where he, you know, he gets baby Yoda and he's heading back uh, to uh, the client to go yes. ahead and deliver baby Yoda and go ahead and get his reward for, you know, achieving his goal. And basically he pulls in and he hits on that door and the, that, the eye comes out. I don't know his specific name. But, uh, oh, I don't either. Yeah, the one that was at Jabba's Palace, too. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's a specific <laughs> name for those guys. Uh, but lets them in, and then there's uh, stormtroopers come in and basically greet him and basically guide him in. They were very uneasy. Like, it was very, uh, you know, they were kind of manhandling Baby Yoda's carriage, and he was like, hey, watch it. And they were like, hey, you watch it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think they know a little bit more than they're, they're letting on. But uh, yeah, you know, just like normal stormtroopers, they don't last very long anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when you get in there, it's one of those things. Uh, he shows him what his what he's gotten. It's all that best car, so it's basically a a bounty of just of bounties. I mean, he, he's pretty much gotten everything he needs to go ahead and rebuild his armor to uh, go ahead and you know achieve that point there. But then he makes, I guess, the the cardinal sin against the uh, the guild, and he asks what they're going to do with Baby Yoda. And then what's it? The um, the client gets really angry at him. He's like, well, that's against the guild to even ask. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he knows, and he's got him. Like the client is aware of what these rules are, and uh, he's also aware that this uh, ice cream maker full of Beskar is uh, quite the uh, quite the prize to the Mandalorian. So it's kind of the attitude, like uh, you know, shut up, take your prize, and get the heck out of here. Yeah, the ice cream maker has made it a long way from Cloud City. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> You can kind of see where it's starting to weigh on his conscience when he's going to leave Baby Yoda with the client, not knowing what the outcome's going to be. And I think he's pretty certain it's not going to end well for Baby Yoda. But he takes his, you know, his best car and he goes down to uh, get his armor reforged, or actually forge it from the first time because we look like him. It looks like it's just completely beaten up. So he walks by with that, and you know something's weighing on him by doing that. But he wants to get that taken care of first. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I liked the the scene where he kind of goes down to his uh, fellow Mandalorians there and wherever they're hiding out. It looks like some kind of a basement, but it, uh, this character that actually forges the the Beskar into uh, plating form last time was just a shoulder piece, but now he's got enough for for the full set, total upgrade. 
Yeah, and he keeps on making sure that there is some left over for the foundlings. Yeah. So we didn't find anything out more about that in that episode at all. Really, in general, either either these two episodes really didn't give us any more information about the foundling. But, I mean, once he walks in there with all that Beskar, the other Mandalorians realize, hey, this is something that was forged in an Empire uh, kiln. So they, they have issues with him working for someone uh, that would be paying him in that type of currency. Yeah, and then ultimately this uh, this female blacksmith kind of, uh, she she brings uh, peace out of a scuffle between uh, kind of this big Mandalorian uh, guy by the name of Paz Vizsla, who was actually voiced by Jon Favreau. Uh, I guess he's also related to uh, Pre Vizsla, a character from the Clone Wars series um, in some, some distant way, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, the, the blacksmith kind of brings peace. She's like, hey, you know... It may have been uh, Empire stamped, but it's back with us now, and that's what's important. So it kind of brings an end to the argument, and they, they end the argument by saying, this is the way. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and during that argument, though, they start fighting, and they both pull out their own viral blades. Oh, you yeah. You see them actually, you know, for the first time, really that's kind of being being used outside of, you know, stabbing that rhino-type creature. Even then, I didn't get a good view of what the it just looked like a knife in that episode but this episode like you could see these things it was like a special effect with they they were like i mean they're vibrating they look like they had some kind of charge going through them yeah and this is the first time we've ever seen vibra blades in live action i'm pretty sure but uh, so that was that was pretty awesome you know seeing that uh when he was actually making his armor and say keep on asking him you know what's your crest or you know what what are you going to put on this and he says you know he bested that that rhino type creature so she's like that's going to be it and he, he states he can't take that take credit for that because his enemy helped him uh, defeat that creature. And yeah. he called Baby Yoda at that time his enemy. I, I like that he kind of, you know, fessed up. That kind of speaks to his character that uh, he could have um, kind of accepted the Mudhorn as his uh, signet but uh, chose not to because it, it just wasn't right. And, I mean, the other Mandalorians wouldn't have known that, but, but he would have, and it would have weighed on his mind just the way that, you know, leaving this kid behind eventually weighs on his mind later in this episode. Yeah, so, I mean, when once that's all said and done, he's he walks back to his ship, he gets in there and gets ready to take off, and all of a sudden he's like, I can't leave him. He looks down to actually where that ball was unscrewed, he gets ready to put it back on, and then yeah. he basically powers down his ship, and he starts walking back. Then, then you know it's on. Yeah, that was uh, my first favorite part of the episode, which is that brief moment. Uh, the acting that uh, Pedro's giving through that helmet and just with his body language, just pausing with his hand up over that lever and then and then shutting it down and, and walking out of the ship. That was like, oh, yeah, we're about to see some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing i got to say about this here with the, uh, the Stormtroopers in this one, I, I like how they don't seem as incompetent as the original movies made them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they still can't hit crap. But, right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, they're also going up against such a formidable foe here. I mean, he's not a Jedi by any means. Right. But he's still top of the line. He's, he, his, his people are feared throughout the galaxy. Oh, yeah. They're both hunter and hunted. They keep on calling them. So, I mean, no stormtrooper is going to stand a chance. But the fact that you actually seen them thinking together, working together... And actually, you know, kind of making sense. And then still, at the end of it, either getting barbecued or shot. I would think that maybe these troopers would have to be some of the some of the better, some of the cream of the crop to, to be alive still, this long. Still be around. And you can tell when he gets back, he goes back and he sees uh, Dr. Pershing. 
and he's actually has baby Yoda laying on like a table. He's got some type of like covering over him where they're extracting something. And in the background, this was my favorite little uh, little nugget. You see the Imperial torture droid. Oh yeah. Behind him. So I'm not sure if uh, Pershing is protecting Baby Yoda because he keeps on you know mentioning he's been protecting him. He's the only reason Baby Yoda is still alive at right. this point. So I don't know if he was protecting him from that you know Imperial torture droid to go ahead and make sure that they can you know, extract whatever Baby Yoda juice they need to get from him, <laughs> and you know keep going. Yeah, uh, he, he probably has a ton of midichlorians by uh, by the fact of uh, what he was able to accomplish with that mud horn just the episode prior, uh, oh, and his Dude, little stature. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a part of canon. We can't get away from it. Um, I actually don't mind it as much as I did when the Phantom Menace first came out. I mean, since then, I've I've kind of read it in so many different parts of uh the uh, the other canon and the books and other shows and stuff where it doesn't hit me the same way it did in 1999 oh no you're also how much older now too <laughs> yeah <laughs> more important things to worry about oh boy but yeah we found out that everybody basically everyone in the guild they all had a a fob on baby yoda and he was the only one that was able to successfully take it now why they some of them had different objectives uh, which leads me to believe that there are still other, you know, people out there that had fobs from other people as well. But uh, I'm wondering if the client uh, Werner Herzog's character actually had a preference for bringing it in dead uh, because he was real kind of um, nonchalant by talking. The last time when he hired the Mandalorian, he was like, you know, hey, we understand your profession's tough, so if you got to bring this kid in dead, like wink, wink. Not a problem. Yeah, um, just for a was, lower fee. <laughs> yeah, he was way more into it than the doctor was. So I wonder if he hired some other folks while the doctor wasn't around and kind of gave that message to. And you know, he's you know a part of the empire. Nothing would surprise me. Yeah. Or the, you know, what was known as the empire. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty much that was a good idea of what was going on. Man, he basically took Yoda, a baby Yoda, and he just starts walking through the streets with him, and then everyone's fob starts going off. It's like, hey, what's going on? And he walks out in the street and just looks at everyone like, hey, what's up? <laughs> you, you're going to actually you know, try to do something to me here? I'm going to get in my ship and I'm going to leave. And no one's going to stop me. That's pretty much the, the gist of the conversation that he had uh, with, uh, with, with Cargo. Yeah, we really go through some scenes here where we get to watch the Mandalorian. I mean, it's still... He, he's not the Terminator, you know what I mean? He's not um, like an unbreakable character. He, like, he gets hurt. But he also has a ton of initiative and a ton of uh, wherewithal to use everything that he's got at his disposal. Every weapon, he uses that flamethrower, the, the vibroblade, the blaster, the uh, pulse rifle. Everything he's got to, to get through the corridors, take down those stormtroopers. And then, like you said, walk through this uh, city street where he's got this prized possession in tow. I think he was almost to the point where he was conceded that he wasn't going to make it out of this without giving over Baby Yoda. Oh, for sure. And then all of a sudden, his uh, his brothers in arms show up to his surprise, come over in their jetpacks. It didn't even dawn on me that he didn't have a jetpack. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they're flying over with jetpacks and you know machine guns and firing missiles, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone, all these other bounty hunters realize, uh, uh this is over. We better go. <laughs> yeah, that's the second part of the episode that really got to me, um, where I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Where 
he's walking through that street. He's surrounded by these bounty bounty hunters. It looks like he's aware that he's not going to make it out of this thing alive. Well, he's kind of holed up in that speeder. And, um, yeah, they're in the last, basically the cavalry come in, right? Just like a Western. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here they come. The cavalry rides in. And um, even though they all the last came out of hiding, that, that was a, that was a yeah. big thing at that point because when only one could be out at the time, and all of a sudden you got a good, you know, probably a handful, maybe the 20 of them that are up there, you know, fighting side by side. Uh, that was that's pretty huge. And I think we got to see them again in the future somewhere. I mean, they got to go ahead and they got to relocate now because now they're known. Yes. And uh, it's going to be curious to see where they relocate to. If we ever know where they relocate, we're not getting any names from any planets at anywhere we're going. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I would assume that he's going to uh, meet back up with his with his pack sooner or later, but uh, there's really no telling when that's going to be. Yeah, no, I mean, he just keeps moving. It's, he just keeps moving from planet to planet. We get, you know, the original planet when we had uh, a call, and then, yeah. uh, and then now we were on... Back at the original planet, which you know, with the client and everything, then we wind up, you know, with the sanctuary. The next episode here, uh, he winds up on this backwater, you know, outer rim planet that he thinks he's safe on. Yeah, so I mean, it, it picks up right where um, the last one left off again, where he's got uh, Baby Yoda in the cockpit with him, and uh, he's he's trying to find somewhere safe for the for the two of them, a sanctuary, just like the name of the episode. How about that? Yeah. It, it's pretty funny, you know, watching the interaction between the two because Baby Yoda's sitting on there, he's flipping switches, <laughs> and he's like, "Don't do that." So he flips it back on the other side, then he flips it again, and all of a sudden you see everything lit up red. And it's like it's the end of the world. And he starts suddenly putting, he moves him like basically puts him on his lap. <laughs> yeah, I've, it's funny how the Mandalorian seems to have more patience than I would in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I'll be worried about dropping out of the, uh, the sky. <laughs> but uh, you'll be running into a new character. Uh, is uh, Cara Dunn, I think her character name was? Cara uh, Dune. Cara Dune. You come to find out she's actually an ex-rebellion uh, shock trooper. So she was no joke. I didn't know what we were going to... I didn't know what she was. But um, when they first meet in that little like uh, little restaurant, and then he tracks her down, uh, she pretty much puts it on him. For all intents and purposes, yeah. uh, she, she won that scuffle. Yeah, she handles herself well, and that's what I kind of expected. By uh, if you um, you know cast Gina Carano in a in a role, she's probably going to be able to handle herself pretty well, ex UFC fighter. Yeah. Um, but it, she, yeah, she was thoroughly impressive. The way um, she kind of spotted the Mandalorian walk into that bar, but who wouldn't? I mean, he looks just like really strange in that environment, and he's menacing looking. <laughs> yeah, he's gleaming in his Beskar armor, right? And all those other folks are kind of raggedy and just uh, there for the drinks. Um, but they kind of spot each other, and uh, she makes the move. She leaves before he can uh, kind of. Um, uh, know what she's up to. Uh, so he follows her uh, with his, um, you know, his helmet vision. I don't know. You would see that a, a few times in this episode. He kind of the predator vision in his helmet, right? That's uh, awesome, though. That is pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, so he tracks her footsteps, and uh, but she still gets the jump on him. Oh, yeah, because while he looks down, all of a sudden her footsteps are gone. He's like, okay, she must be above me. He looks up, and boom. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Got him. But, uh, I mean... And then they go back and forth, and it's funny, a little bit before this, before he leaves, he's flipping credits at this waitress. <laughs> Watch the baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was a laugh during the episode with the Mandalorian. They're finally kind of at a standstill, both on the ground, both the blasters pointed at each other, and Mando says uh, something along the lines of, you want some soup? 
<laughs> yeah, so they actually talk. They get a little bit of a background. She thought he was a bounty hunter with a fob on her. Come to find out, that's why she fought the way she fought. Uh, I think if she, if it wasn't that, they may not have had such a, uh, a throwdown. They may have more of a conversation in the bar before, you know, more of a uh, more of a Han and Greedo type situation. Uh, but they get to know each other. They get to find out what's going on, and they're getting ready to kind of move on because he said she said there's only room for one of them on this planet and that's the one to be around too he's like you better get out of here he takes it for like okay cool planet's taken let's go yeah so i mean he heads back to his ship he's ready to leave planet um and then we see these two guys which are a part of this uh, smaller tribe that kind of that kind of live in the uh, rural parts of this uh, planet um they they come up on mandalorian they're lucky they didn't get shot the way they were sneaking up on them um and they basically ask for his help they have they kind of raised all the money that they had extra in the village um then we saw this village they actually opened up the episode with it and uh, they're getting terrorized by this group of raiders um who happen to have a um and we don't know in the beginning but later we find out they have their own atst uh where they've been kind of just blasting the villagers burning down their huts and and stealing all their goods and, and then taking off so uh, bad stuff happened to this village yeah no they've just been getting getting beat up left and right and like i said in the beginning of it there's this um mother figure and yes i've come to find out her daughter that is kind of hut and hid underneath a basket in the water and just watch them take everything all basically their day's worth of work all this fish and everything away while everyone else kind of ran I come to find out she's actually going to be play a, a pretty decent you know size role in this 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 uh episode here just because she's the one that becomes the the go-between between uh the mandalorian and the rest of the village yeah, I really loved that opening. Just kind of a cold open where you kind of peek in on the daily life of this village. I thought it was done really well. Just, you know, simple life and then, you know, being terrorized by these uh, these evil raiders. Uh, you really kind of feel for them immediately, especially the way the mother and the daughter are able to kind of uh, use their wits and, and survive that situation. But, uh, I mean, once uh, Mandalorian lands on the planet, you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down. It's going to be like an A-team situation. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was pretty cool when they actually going out and they were looking at him and uh, Car Dunn went ahead and, and kind of scoped it out. And then they realized they looked in the mud and they were like, "Oh, that's an ATST. I'm out. I'm done. This is what this is what I signed up for." She's like, "Yeah, they're not. This, we can't take them down just with what we have. We have a bunch of farmers and then us." Yeah, Cara Dune was uh, ready to split. So this is another example of you seeing the the warm heart of the Mandalorian. The guy's kind of a softy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, we can't. No, we we gotta help him out in some manner. And then uh, she winds up training them, and then he winds up training them how to actually, you know, shoot a gun. And that's when we go back to that one lady at the very beginning of the episode, and their uh, liaison. There, there's got to be more behind her character. Yeah, she's got a history. She, yeah, because she she raised her hand when he asked who knows how to fire a weapon, and she would just basically destroy the pot. Yeah, everybody else was cracking these uh, and kind of missing these pot shots at these uh, literal pots, and she was just like blasting it like high speed, like ba 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 ba. And Mando kind of looked impressive. at her, just kind of nodded, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I he, can use this." <laughs> yeah, he approved for sure. And uh, there's, 
You know, this this episode in total, it, it gave me the real feel of the Magnificent Seven, uh, which is kind of a derivative of the Seven Samurai, which is all about what the uh, OG Star Wars was. It was like these, these takes on samurai films and old westerns. And essentially, in the Magnificent Seven, this this small town hires this group of uh, outlaws and cowboys to kind of protect them and train them, uh, so they can stand up against these um, same kind of groups of raiders that that, that keep coming and, and and taking all their stuff and making the the town unlivable. So it was a really great uh, throwback to to movies like that, and uh, I could feel it. I could I noticed the reference like um, you know pretty soon into this episode. Yeah, now they had a real uh, feel of Return of the Jedi as well. Yeah, uh, just kind of sitting down in the wooded areas with the walkers, uh, trying to defeat the walker. You know, outnumbered, outmanned, the whole deal. Right. And it just it had it had a different feeling. This episode here had a different feelings than say the other three prior to it, just because we weren't in like a more of a like rundown area. We weren't in a like a, a scruffy type where this was a world that was kind of separated from itself. Yeah. Had its own thing going on, its own feeling uh, that it didn't seem like they were downtrodden as much as some of the other areas have been. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Somewhere kind of off the beaten path as far as the, uh, the galactic worlds. Right. And uh, I, I gotta be honest, I, I felt uh, some danger from that ATST uh, this episode when last time, you know, you saw them there, they're being taken down by Ewoks, uh, you know, uh, cutting ropes and uh, sending logs their way to like trip them up and blast them. But this ATST felt really dangerous in this episode. Oh yeah, he and they had that you know that that water pit ready for him. Yeah, and he stopped. He's like, I'm not yeah. going no further. I'm not testing that. And he, he basically stood there, started firing, and then the cavalry came for him. They were all running underneath him towards him. So yeah, it was like he kind of knew when to stop until he kind of got suckered. So basically, you know, Cara Dune and the Mandalorian, they're being chased by this ATST into the village where the villagers have already put up defenses. Um, the raiders are kind of pouring through and, uh, you know, these villagers are trying their best to, to, to be on the defense. They've got their pointy sticks, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and uh, essentially they're, they're kind of drawing the line as best they can, but this ATST, they're kind of want to them with this trap. Uh, so Cara Dune, uh, in an act, she's like, I know what to do. Let me borrow your, your pulse rifle. And, uh, in a, in an act of trust, the Mandalorian actually hands over his pulse rifle, which is, you know, it's gotta be his most, um, Price beloved weapon. weapon. <laughs> and he just kind of hands it over to this lady to use. And, uh, she does a pretty good job with it. Yeah. Runs up into that water pit, starts shooting up, tries to sucker that ATST closer and closer until she finally takes a shot at the, uh, the window which then uh, causes it to stumble forward. And then once it falls in the pit, uh, Mando runs up there, tosses one of those little grenades in there, and boom, pretty much uh, that's it. And all the other guys start running away. And, you know, everyone's got that victory shot, and everyone's kind of dancing with their, you know, their spears above <laughs> their heads. Uh, yeah, they were able to, uh, the, the little guy was able to defeat the big guy, and uh, the rest of the raiders kind of run off. And you have to imagine that maybe they won't mess with these villagers from now on, or at least you hope so. That would be the happy ending, right? Yeah. That they wouldn't just come back for revenge two weeks later. <laughs> with their spare. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, after all that's said and done, they kind of cut to a scene maybe. I almost get a feeling like it's been like a week or so yeah. after that uh, that battle took place. Because uh, Kara's sitting on, you know, in a chair just kind of relaxing her feet up. Mando's standing there. And uh, he's getting offered some food from, you know, that female character. And... You can tell there's something going on between them. There's some type. There's a there's a spark between the two. Right. And Kara's like, 
why don't you when, just take off your helmet? I mean, now we find out. Now it basically it confirms to me that we're not going to see him without his helmet on. I think his helmet is on going to be at least for the duration of this whole first season. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. I, I think that's right. I think I think eventually it will come off, and it's gonna. But we're gonna. Right now, we're getting backstory as to why it's so important. It remains on, so that way, when the moment comes where it comes off, it's gonna be a big deal, right? But it um, can also come off in a a moment of solitude when he's by himself, because they we, they show him taking it off in this episode and sitting it next to him, right? But no one can see him. He's by himself, and. Apparently, once he takes it off, there's no putting it back on, which I'm not sure why that is. Well, I guess, yeah, just in the presence of others, like you're able to by yourself. But uh, if you're around other people, I I guess it's just, you know, this is the way. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it's also, I think, a thing of security. Yeah. If they don't know who you really are and they only know you by, you know, what your armor is, if it really, really hit the fan... You can ditch the armor, and then you honestly can walk the streets. You can go to Walmart. You have no idea. <laughs> Space Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Cara man. Dune, I actually like that scene quite a bit, where she had her feet propped up, and she was she was talking to the Mandalorian. She's like, "Look, would it you know would it be would it really be so bad to kind of kick back in this beautiful world and and you know marry this beautiful widow and have some kids and just uh, relax and sip on this tea for the rest of your days." And uh, you can tell, I, he, he wasn't really giving it serious thought, but he was giving serious thought to keeping Baby Yoda there. Yeah. Um, he saw the kids playing with Yoda, or Baby Yoda. It's not really Yoda. I wish we would come up with a name for this kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rat B called him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's not, uh, that's not good. <laughs> that cute little thing. I can't call it a Womp Rat. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can see he's he's he wants to leave him. He wants to go ahead. And he's like he knows he's happy there. He's playing. The kids love him. Yeah. Uh, the the scene where he has that frog halfway down, and the kids are like ah, and then he spits <laughs> the frog out, and the out. kids are like <laughs> having a good old time with him. He would have fit right in. I mean, that's that's kind of the planet he needs to be on. He needs to be on a green you know world. Right. Plenty of like uh, frogs and other insects and yeah, reptiles that he can eat. Yeah. It's like a non scary kind of, Dagobah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, he was going to fit right in, and then all of a sudden they show you a clip of another bounty hunter with a fob. I know, he's he... got Baby Yoda in his sights, and the camera pans out, you hear the blast, and it's like, oh, what just happened? There, I was like, there's no way they just killed this cash cow. Now, granted, when they made it, they didn't know <laughs> that was going to be a cash cow. Right. But there's no way. They would have they went in and edited it. <laughs> yeah. That would have had him shooting at the same time, kind of like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> but the blaster fire was from Cara Dune, who had the drop on this bounty hunter. Um, so, you know, bounty hunter falls over and reveals Cara Dune behind him. And um, at this point, Mandalorian and Cara Dune uh, look at each other, and they realize that... Uh, there's you know, never going to be able to save. Yeah, he's not going to be safe here. Yeah, because the minute he leaves, the minute... He's more vulnerable, and then right. he's, he's pretty much gone. He'll be back with the client uh, within probably a week or two if he's not there with him. Yeah, so kind of a, a really bittersweet ending to this episode to where you you, um, you, you meet these villagers, uh, you know, the, the widow and, and her daughter in particular. Uh, they got really close with the Mandalorian and then Baby Yoda. And the poor girl, the the daughter, was really upset that Baby Yoda had to leave. But uh, yeah, you, you almost um, even in just the, the you know this half hour, I'm I'm rooting for the Mandalorian to eventually hang up his uh, Beskar and and settle down with this <laughs> this lady on this Reed's planet. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of the end of the episode, is them once again uh, with Baby Yoda in tow heading off to another planet. Yeah, and I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know if we're going to run into Kara again, but it's one of those we got her and you're gone. I mean, we've run through so many like other characters in the show that we yeah. may not see again in the show unless they pop up, say, in, ep- in uh, season two or something. Because the chance of them two running into each other again. Now, they did kind of uh, hint. Yeah, you know, till when they see each other again, which leaves it open that we may see him again sometime this season or at the end of the season, or if there's some type of, you know, connection between the two. Uh, them two teaming up would be a fun, you know, kind of kind of duo. Oh, they were already working well together. The you know the first time meeting each other. I mean, I thought Gina Carano, uh, she was always in interviews and stuff. She was always so paranoid that she did such a bad job. You know, she's new at being an actress. Um, but I thought she did a great job. Total, a very physical performance, but she expressed vulnerability when she had to, too. Um, and, you know, she was totally game for for teaming up with the Mandalorian when she realized he was on the up and up. So um, I hope we do see her again this season. Oh, yeah, I mean, and she fit right into the world. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, didn't take me twice to look at her. I'm like, oh, okay, she doesn't fit there. Uh, when they explained her backstory and everything about her being a shock trooper as well, it's like, you know what, okay, so she was a badass. But yeah, I mean, I hope we run into her again. But I mean, that's that's pretty much like the gist of the of the two episodes here. I mean, we kind of buzzed through that a little quicker than uh, we thought we would. Uh, what if you had to look at the two combined? What is your your say your opinion of the two here? Because now we're four episodes deep, and we're getting a really good feeling of what this show is going to become. Um, I'm just along for the ride, man. I'm so far, I'm loving every episode. Even I mean, maybe the Sanctuary, the fourth episode. Might be the uh, least favorite, or maybe it's tied with the first episode, just as a kind of an introduction of the characters in the world. Um, but um, e- even I'm at the point where even the worst episode of The Mandalorian is still pretty great television, man. <laughs> Every episode, I'm I'm in it to 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 keep watching, and it's kind of sad we're halfway through. Honestly, I, I um, I'm looking forward to what else is down the pike here, and uh, so far so good. I love it. Yeah, now I'm at the point now where I know I can see myself rewatching these. Oh, for uh, sure. I mean, I've watched at least every one of them twice now. Sanctuary, I just watched once here before we went ahead and got a show on, so I would know what I'm talking about, you know, for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but but as, a, as a whole, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Sanctuary is probably my least favorite of the four. Uh, by far, episode two, I mean, even though very little is said in it, but with the Mudhorn and the, the Jawas, the Jawas yeah. and everything, that by far for me is my favorite episode. Uh, but there's very few shows that I can say that I'll go back and I'll watch. Like, I was a big Game of Thrones fan, but I don't go back and watch any of them. I right. watch it once, and it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, these here, I'm finding myself itching to go back and watch again before the new one comes out. So, I'll like, today, I'll watch this in and roll right into Sanctuary. And I'll probably do the same thing next week. Yeah, and once all these episodes are out, I'll look forward to watching them one right after the other as kind of a long, epic Mandalorian movie. Um, yeah, I think that'll be a very cool way to, to watch him. Um, and I, I love being able to discuss um, each week, episode to episode, or for our case, it's uh, you know every couple weeks. Um, but yeah, once we're able to actually binge these things, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, of course, we're going to be you know waiting on pins and needles for season two. I think they punched so much money into this. There's no way they can actually not do at least a season two right. uh, before you know releasing this here. And there's so much been so much hype about it. So much Baby Yoda, you know, things that have gone along with. They would have been dumb not to. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a great show. It's it's had some really memorable characters, even though they've had uh, somewhat small uh, screen time. Um, so I think they're just firing on off on all cylinders. They're doing a great job, and um, you know, I have no idea what to expect come next. I mean, I assume eventually we're gonna have kind of a showdown with the client and the Mandalorian. We're gonna find out, you know, who hired the client and the doctor. Um, because apparently there's someone higher up in the Empire that told they were giving them orders. Uh, yeah, we kind of get a glimpse of them in some of the previews. Yeah, and, and it, I'm looking forward to unravel some more history on the character itself, where he came from, you know, perhaps as a foundling. Um, we did find out this episode, he kind of confirmed that he was taken in by the Mandalorians. Yeah, so he's not Mandalorian by birth, but he's uh, he's taken on the culture per the, who, was, uh, who rescued him. Right. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. We, you and I, will be back here most likely two weeks from now <laughs> to discuss uh, chapters uh, five and six. Um, so I, th- I think that's pretty much a good show. There, I mean, we've gone over everything. I mean, from from top to bottom of these two episodes here. I know we're both looking forward to next Friday. Now, uh, I gotta give it to them. They they have me itching at the, you know waiting for Friday to pop up. And when yeah. is next Friday? And this Friday here, a lot of us had off uh, just because of being Black Friday. So we were able to get and you know, consume it a little earlier than, say, we would if uh, we had to work, which was, uh, was a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, that was great. But uh, I think this is a good spot for us to go ahead and say, you know what, guys? We'll catch you in a couple of weeks for the, our next review of The Mandalorian. This is the way. Uh-huh.